Welcome to Here's Teresa on TalkZone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Of my fabulous listeners out there, good morning and a post-Merry Christmas to all of you, too. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the greattalkzone.com internet radio. And today is December 29th, and it is my 20th anniversary. Happy anniversary, Brian, and we are at the end of another year, 2016. Wow, that was fast, wasn't it? How are you all out there? Oh, my God, you're coming in loud and clear. You're doing great. A little tired, some of you guys are. Yeah, I understand from all the festivities and the preparation. It can wear you out, but it's all good. So glad to hear it, though. I myself am doing just fine. I'm blessed and highly favored. Very excited for the show today. You know, we do all of the preparation for Christmas, listeners, and it seems like it is over in the blink of the eye with some people starting at the beginning of the new year, you know, buying their gifts and things, you know, with others such as myself starting their Christmas shopping in the month of November. Uh, that wouldn't be me, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, I start November, December, you know, as long as I get it done and no pressure from the you know, from the advertisers and, um, you know, society about when you should have things done. You know, as long as you're doing it with a loving spirit and you love and your loved ones and friends are grateful that you are being that they are being gifted on this momentous occasion. I say that's cool in this game. Also, I trust that you all had a wonderful time, you know, laughing and sharing for this Christmas celebration. Now, I was just telling my engineer, the fabulous Dave, shout out. That, um, you know, New Year's is upon us. You know, another year has come and gone and wow for that, too. And do you guys go out for New Year's? I don't. Back in the day, I used to. But no, I stay at home. Me and my family were locked away, safely relaxing, moisturizing my skin, drinking lots of water and juices to stay hydrated, you know. And, you know, we have all we need, you know, and it's at home. Now, on New Year's Day, my family is going to gather um, at my home for early dinner, you know, watch the games and, um, you know, hang out for a bit, you know, enjoy each other, you know, and, um, you know, go back home early because, you know, we have to get up and go to work in the morning. Um, some In some cases, children are returning to school and... Um, you know, so it's going to be, you know, get back into the move and groove of things. And then after that, tax preparation time. I know you guys are all excited about that, you know. And, um, you know, especially how fast it comes. And, you know, a lot of the tax preparation, you know, is stressful. But, you know, don't stress out about it. Just do what you do. And that's it, you know. Um, okay, now. It is being reported via the news media that there was an increase in the overall shopping for the season, for the season, like 4%, you guys. I'm sure you all heard about that. Well, I'm applauding, uh, to a thriving economy, of course. Now, Trump cites this, uh, um, this as, you know, people were given hope as he was elected to the presidential office and people felt better about shopping. Um, my, uh, response is, yeah, right. So, um, 
you know, Trump's wife plagiarized for plagiarized the first lady speech, you all, Michelle Obama. And now he's on the same vein saying, you know, hope, which was the uh, president's, um, you know, mantra, his thing as he was running from office in, initially. You know, this is very indicative of, you know, being stated, you know, to the people of this country, you know, by President Obama, you know, about the hope and everything. And now Trump is saying that people have hope because of him, you know. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, let's let's move on. Now, um, if you all recall, also, I just want to say this one more thing. If you all recall uh, during President Obama's State of the Economy address this year in January, he stated that the amount of the main the amount of job creation, you know, thus far under his administration, under his tenure as leader of this great country, is fourteen million. That's Extremely impressive. Now, when President Clinton was in, he did um, more than that. He did about 20, 21 million. But nevertheless, these are very impressive numbers. And he spoke about the stoppage of the high probability, <clears throat> excuse me, about closing down the auto industry. Well, that was huge. Now, according to the report from CNN.com, the president stated during this this uh, speech, he stated in part, for the past seven years, our goal has been a growing economy that works better for everybody. We've made progress, he said, but we need to make more, Obama concluded in his own assessment of his economic record. OK, now it goes without saying that when you factor in inflation, such as cost of groceries, you know, the gas prices seems to be OK versus before, you know, as gas as prices per gallon varies. And that is also depending on where you are located in the United States. And I'm certain that all of you out there, such as myself, who take care of the finances for their family, you know, like paying the bills and doing the grocery shopping, you know, there is a noticeable increase in the price of food across the board. So needless to say, that does make a difference in the bottom line, you know, of your money. So as far as Trump, the inauguration is not taking place yet. Your turn has not started yet, so just hush and give respect continuing to the president who still remains as um, the president of the United States until January 20th, and that is Barack Obama. Okay, moving on. What about the weather here, guys? Now, it was reported earlier this week that the high was going to be about 75 today. I don't don't think we're going to see that. It's very cloudy you know, with the lower 53 and sunny. However, however, the temperature drops is going to drop it to like the low 60s and the low 50s as the week progress. Now, let me say that I know that a lot of you out there are saying that's not bad, considering that some places in the U.S. are being hammered with snow and blizzard like conditions, you know, but. You know, I acknowledge that, you know, by saying I feel that global warming is affecting the whole world and it shows, you know, in the patterns of the weather. So for all of you who are experiencing inclement weather, I hope it gets better for you. Okay, the topic of my show today, uh, guys, um, is slavery of black America. Is it really abolished? Is there a connection with thousands of black Americans being incarcerated? If so, what is it? And why is it? Now, my guest for this discussion is Rachel C. Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist, and Terry Griffith, an exceptional lawyer and activist. Both are, are returning guests on my show, and um, 
This is a topic, listeners, that needs to be discussed, in my opinion. And as you know, my show continues to be informative and educational and inspirational. And this discussion definitely falls into these categories that I just mentioned. I am bringing my guest on momentarily, so stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Okay. I am sure that you all out there have heard the reports about the fighting in the malls that recently happened in several states, including Arizona, that was started by social media, allegedly. Okay. However, some reports state that there is no confirmation that social media sparked the influence of these dumb, nasty and negative events. You know, if that's what even they should be referred to. Okay. Now, here's a report um, that I want to share with you. It was by Tim uh, Stallow of NBC News. And he says a series of apparently unconnected fights and disturbances broke out at malls across the country the day after Christmas, leaving shoppers desperate for an exit and authorities struggling to wrangle unruly crowds. Now, they said that in Beachwood, Ohio, for example, a mall that's outside of uh, Cleveland was closed after a large scale disturbance among sizable groups of juveniles was reported local police um you know was was saying that they also added that the incident appears to have been loosely organized on social media i mean really then you know there there also was another report that stated a day after at least 15 large fights or disturbances that broke out at malls across the country 15 police were chasing leads and trying to determine what if any roles social media may have played in the alarming rash of violence. Now, police in Aurora, Colorado, listeners said, which saw one of the largest disturbances in the country, okay, involving an unruly crowd of around 500 people on Tuesday, appealed to the public for help tracking down, you know, videos that might show some, you know, some of these involved. Now, Eight juveniles ranging in the age from 13 to 17 were charged in um, large fights at the Fox Valley Mall in Aurora, Illinois, and seven young people ranging in the age from 13 to 17 were arrested following a large fight at the Memphis Mall, where there definitely seems to be a correlation with the age of the participants in these mall fights, you think? Many of the malls involved had extra security due to expected crowds for the day after Christmas sales and said security would remain increased for some period following Monday's incidents. I mean, really, guys, I mean, come on. Listen, you all come to your own conclusions, okay? You can all come to your own conclusions, all that you want, but I want to say, that social media did play a huge factor in this stupidness, to say the least, that took place at these malls. Now, for for one thing, you know, it caused a lot of injury to innocent people who weren't in their stupidness with them. And um, another thing, it was a waste of time for police officers and other security personnel to deal with uh, this stupid situation ignorance and the people involved shouted out, you know, this crap, you know, and, and it's like, 
okay, this is this is what I think. You have social media, FaceTime, and all the rest of them out there. Okay, now if you find that you have people on your system that are doing this, they need to be banned off of it, and then and all the rest of them need to follow suit so they cannot, you know, get to the masses of these 13 to 17 year olds who apparently don't have anything else to do to go out and do these crazy things, you know, at, at the malls. And I also want to say that perhaps they need to go to the land of Oz and ask for a mine because they seem to have totally lost theirs. Okay. Um, I, um, I'm going to take a commercial break, but I, I just want to say something, um, very, you know, very quickly before I go to commercial break, um, is that, you know, my um, heart goes out to um, Carrie Fisher and her and her mom that transitioned. Carrie transitioned on one day and then her mom, um, Debbie, transitioned the next day. And I just feel so much um, remorse for this loss. They were they were two great people. And it's like we've been losing a lot of them um, here lately. So it's just to say that I think. Um, that we're living in some times that where we need to be aware of what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're saying and um, how we treat ourselves and how we treat one another. So, you know, let's be kinder to ourselves and kind to one another because, you know, we just never know what the day is going to bring. Okay. So let's take a quick break, get up and stretch and come back with me so we can get into our discussion. listeners, this is Teresa E. Keeves, and I want to talk to you about bullying. Do you know that bullying is still a constant negative in our society, not only for children in grammar schools and high schools, but also in our colleges, university, and workplaces? I want you to know that professional mediation is a great method for resolving issues regarding bullying. It also allows party members to engage in a much-needed conversation to clarify what the issues are and to resolve them without the involvement of law enforcement and in relation to our children, the possibility of school suspension. Need more information? Please give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. Back to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning with me. I really do appreciate it. Um, as I always um, look forward to talking with my listeners out there and as well as the guests that I have on my show. Today we are going to be talking about slavery in black America. Is it really abolished? Is there a connection with thousands of black Americans being incarcerated today? If so, what is it and why is it? And I have two phenomenal guests that uh, will be sharing this discussion and uh, with me. And I want to introduce my first guest. I'm always excited that both of my guests are on my sh- on my show with me. My first guest is Terry Griffiths. As I said before, she is a returning guest on my show. She is an exceptional attorney and she is also an activist. She is a professional mediator who believes in the art of mediation along with restorative justice. She is a friend to the show and she is my friend in life. 
My next guest is Reginald C. Campbell. He is also a returning guest on my show. He is the world's best mental health therapist, and he has been in this profession for over 30 years, maybe even a bit uh, longer than that. He is highly respected in the field of um, mental health therapy as he works with uh, individuals of all ages who seeks his help. He is my brother. He is uh, my friend, and I welcome you both on the show. Thank you for joining me, Terry and Reginald. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning to the both of you. Yes, how how are you doing this morning, Terry? Very good. It's 75 degrees here. Wow. Okay, is the sun shining there? It shines every day. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. As I said, you know, we're known as the Valley of the Sun, but, you know, Global warming kind of got us the, the sun sleeping in a little bit late, but I think he'll be out. So how are you today, Reginald? Oh, I'm doing fine. Good morning, Terry. How are you? And uh, it's a little cloudy. I'm driving in uh, to the office. and a little cloudy, but it looks like the sun's trying to peek out. So he can come on out, do his thing, give us some vitamins, and we'll have a great day. Absolutely. This is all good because it's all God is what I say. Okay. Now, let's let's uh, get into the topic of our show. Now, um, according to the factual admissions of history documentation, it states that slavery was abolished in 1865 during the time when Abraham Lincoln was president of the United States of America, which many individuals give credit to him, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln for orchestrate this movement of an idea that was wrong. You know what I'm saying? That wrong for harboring people against their will to work for free, forced to live in deplorable conditions. They were owned by people, you know, people owning people. That's just wrong. Now, these individuals were set free slaves in 1865. But were they really? What I am saying here is, is that. There were so many obstacles in their way for free slaves to properly exist in this country, for being fruitful in this country, for which they had no choosing to come to live. They were forced here. Now, they were forced here such as, you know, they had uh, a hard time for acquiring land so that they can grow crops, you know, building a home for their families, finding jobs, the ability to acquire education just to name a few. Now, fast forwarding to today, here we are over 151 years later. Do you see any correlation between black America then and black America now? And let's start with you, Reginald. Do you see any correlation between black America then and black America now? Well, there's, there's, correlation because of the obstacles that were set in front of uh, the free slaves to keep them from prospering. Um, excuse me, free slaves were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule, and they never received the 40 acres and the mule. And then with the onset of Jim Crow and all of these other things that had, um, you know, put obstacles in the forefront of slaves, children, and, and grandchildren, and it's still having a devastating effect on 
hold today. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's the mindset as well. So, uh, and you know, we say it was 150 years ago, but you think you know it wasn't. You think it wasn't that long ago. No, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, there there were some people whose grandparents were were slaves. Uh, you know, when you when I talk to people whose grandparents were slaves. And you think, wow, I'm talking to a person whose grandparent was a slave and, you know, we're in this day and age. So, uh, so those things still do have, have an effect. Uh, as I say, with the Jim Crow laws and everything like that, uh, the, the Governor Wallace's of Alabama, the Lester Maddox's, uh, Governor of, of Georgia. Um, so it, it, it still had a devastating effect. Yeah, and I and I think that it res is still resonating today. Um, Terry, I would like to hear um, your take on this. Well, when we talk about present day slavery, I believe the issue is control. Do African Americans are they being treated equally, and do they have control over their present day, you know, surroundings, whether it's their occupation or or where they want to live, travel, education, and the answer is no. Um, as far as the criminal justice system, uh, the last, I think, really good study was probably in 2009 by the National Council on Crime and Delinquency. And that study, you know, to do these studies, they have to collect the data for two, three, four, five years before they can get a reliable statistic, uh, statistical analysis. And that study found that African Americans are three and a half times more likely to be arrested for drugs in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean they 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 um, purchase drugs or use drugs any more than in a white person. It's just that they're three times, three point five times more likely to be arrested than a white person. Um, mm-hmm. Two, there's six times more likely to be sentenced to prison rather than probation than a white person. Um, Mm -hmm. The juvenile residential placement, an African-American, is four times more likely to be put into juvenile uh, residential placement than a white person. They're half as likely to receive bail than a white person. So Mm -hmm. it's there that there's disproportionate minority contracts. They they do include Latinos in some of this. But... um, Nobody has, nobody can figure out why. Yeah. And see, yeah. And see, and that's, that's the, that's the, well, this, this may be, this may not be the, the correct, uh, word to use, but, you know, that's the caveat, um, to all of this. When you have individuals, um, you know, such as what, uh, you just mentioned, Terry, that t- collects data. And as you said, it does, it takes years to collect, you know, data, which is why for all of us who are researchers, you know, we're, we're looking for data and the, sometimes in a lot of instances, particularly, uh, with, with, you know, when you're looking up things about that has to do with, um, criminology and also on the discussion of how many, you know, African Americans are in jail versus white, you know, the, the most recent, maybe 2014, because as I said before, it takes a, a while to collect this data. But but nevertheless, you know, this is something that has been going on, you know, for, you know, for years and years. And it has, you know, um, become, a, you know, like a like a stigma, you know, on black America. 
um, you know, and 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 I think that this in itself with people, you know, you know, black American, African-Americans hearing this, you know, then I think a lot of them, um, you know, absorb this in and saying, you know, well, the statistics say that, you know, by the time I'm 18, you know, uh, you know, uh, young uh, black males are going to be in jail. So I think a lot of them you know, take, you know, this information uh, to to heart. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Oops, uh, did we lose Reginald? Did we lose Reginald? Okay, I think we may have lost Reginald. Okay, Terry, um, yeah, I think he's driving. Well, I will come back to what my platform is, and it's close to my heart. And this is what I'm working on last year and probably most of this year is restorative justice. If yes. blacks are three and a half times more likely to be arrested for drugs, they're six times more likely to be sentenced to prison. We need to rethink the criminal justice system. We need mm-hmm. to figure out a different way to deal with drug offenses, nonviolent offenses, rather than incarcerating someone. So mm-hmm. the racial bias is there, but if we fix the whole problem, hopefully we don't have to spend a lot of time figuring out why. We just retool the criminal justice system and nonviolent offenders are no longer warehouse institutions. There has to be a different way to address that issue. Absolutely. Because, you know, in a lot of instances, this is something that uh, my brother and I, we, we uh, have discussed and things like that is that, um, um, you know, they, they, if you, if you're caught with, let's say marijuana, if you're caught with, um, I don't know, um, um, I don't know, a little marijuana, whatever stick or something. I don't know if they call it that, but I don't know the little stick thing. So, um, then, then they could end up in jail, um, for, for a year or two years, you know, for that. Okay. I understand that my brother is, is back. I'm great, grateful that you're back, Reginald. Um, Terry, uh, who, you know, um, is, is very much into, um, restorative justice and I, and I, Definitely, you know, applaud her for that. And what I was uh, saying, in, in case you didn't hear, is that I think that what happens with a lot of, um, um, you know, African Americans, um, is that they, they listen to the statistics and because, you know, the media talks about it a lot. And I think that a lot of them take all of that, take that in and let that be a guiding light to where they may end up, you know, African-American males, whatever it may say, African-American males are more likely to be in jail, more likely not to finish college, that that kind of thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. And, um, you know, I, I work with young men who are an older gentleman as well, uh, black and Latino young men and women, uh, but I'll just speak of men right now, um, who are in the system, and it is that mindset that, well, by the time I'm 17 or 18, this is what's going to happen to me. And I always tell these young men that I don't remember, I, you know, I didn't get the memo that it's okay to do this. I didn't get the memo that it's okay to accept being in the system. Um, but you don't have to follow that. You don't. You can have a different paradigm of, of thinking, um, and the system is to keep you in because it's a money-making system. The organization that I 
last organization that I worked with prior to moving to Arizona and Chicago, and I won't state the name of it, but you can go on Wall Street and buy stock in this. The prison mm-hmm. system is a moneymaker, and they want you to return. They want you to continue to be there because everyone makes money. I used the example mm-hmm. to one young man when I was in Chicago. I said, okay, listen, I'm, I'm being paid for doing therapy. The person who prepares the food is being paid. The person who is out there cutting the grass is being paid. The person is the secretary. I mean, all of this is money making on you mm-hmm. because of because of your actions, and you mm-hmm. don't have to fall into that trap. Exactly. Exactly. You need to be aware. But, you know, a lot of it, um, Terry and Reginald, is is um, the, you know, in order for a lot of people to be aware, because a lot of people, you know, are not like us where we can see crazy coming and we cross the street. Um, a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of it is education. They need to be educated and they need to be, you know, have some kind of guidance in their life so that they can be aware of the potential pitfalls and, you know, things that are out there waiting for them, you know, because of the basically I'm just going to say it because of the color of their skin. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's that's just a fact. We can't pretend that that doesn't exist. We can't pretend that racism doesn't exist because it does. Uh, Cam Newton, one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks, a young man, a young black man, he said that. Well, racism doesn't exist, and I almost almost fell off my chair when I heard that quote. I'm like, okay, Cam, when you have a bad season, and you are, you'll see how the tide is going to turn. Mm-hmm. So um, it's being aware of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And also decision-making and also the scourge of, of drugs. Mm-hmm. Involved in drugs. Once you do that, now you're now you're in the system. Now you're Mm -hmm. mentally addicted. Now you're physically addicted. Now you're in the system, and it's Mm -hmm. a money maker. It's a money Mm -hmm. maker for system, and you don't have to participate. When I tell some young men, like a young man I was talking to a couple days ago, and I told him that you know, no, I never partake in drugs or alcohol, and, and, and he couldn't believe it. He said, no, you're, you're not, you're, that's not true, Red. You can't tell me that. Said, no, I, I haven't. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm a perfect person. Of course I'm not a perfect person. God knows I'm not. But those, that was the decision that I made. That yeah. I made not to, not to participate in that. And, and, mm-hmm. and drugs of every economic, social status. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. so we can't just mm-hmm. say, well, you know, it's only lower class, uh, working class people, whatever. And, and that, that is definitely not, not the case. Yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the case. It's definitely is, is widespread. That's for sure. Now, Terry, let me ask you. Reginald brought up a very good point. He said the system is a money maker. Um, do you agree with that? I do. Some some incarceration facilities are privatized, which is always a bad news for you know they're out to make money. And the and the prisons that aren't privatized, um, I don't know if you hear how communities lobby to have you know 
especially economic depressed communities, they lobby to have prisons built in their community for jobs. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a vicious cycle. But mm-hmm. I wanted to point out something with the marijuana that why we have problems in our prison system too is that the three strikes law. Three strikes, no tolerance. They're a career offender, a habitual offender. And I was watching a documentary, and the gentleman was African-American, but he was doing 55 years in prison for an ounce of marijuana. So mm-hmm. we, I think as a country, we have to repeal the habitual offender for drugs. And everybody sitting in prison, um, there was a, a lobby that President Obama should have pardoned him. I think President Obama should have looked at every habitual offender for drugs and decided mm-hmm. whether that person should be pardoned or not, or that mm-hmm. Congress needs to take action and say all of these people need to be re-reviewed. And I remind mm-hmm. Teresa and Reginald, it costs $85,000 a year plus to house one offender. So not only is it inhumane, but um, especially for something like this, it's costing the government, I mean, times $85,000 a year for 55 years. And it's yeah. going to go up. So it's just yeah. millions of dollars on this one individual who happened to have an ounce of marijuana in his car. Yeah. And see, and this is, this is what I'm saying is, you know, when you, you know, was, was listening to what you just said, Terry, that, you know, an ounce of marijuana, that's what I was saying, a stick, I don't know if it's whatever it's called. And so they have that and then they end up going to jail for, you said this guy was at 65 years or something, you know? 50, so it, 55 years he was sentenced to Yeah, 50, yeah, 55 years. That's just, that is just off the chain. And so this is why I'm saying, um, Terry Reginald and my listeners that it definitely is a built in, you know, it's very indicative of slavery. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, oh, um, you know, we, we, we lynched the, you know, we lynched, um, uh, John, John, uh, Gummings because he whistled at a white woman. You understand what I'm saying? To me, it's this on the same vein and it's also to me on the same vein that therefore, all of the inhabitants of slavery have not gone away. You know that that that's that's what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Oh, ab- absolutely. And and uh, I totally agree with what Terry was saying. And I'm glad she brought she brought that up. The the, the cost of uh, incarcerating someone and over an ounce of of marijuana is just, mm-hmm. just absolutely ridiculous. You know, if, if mm-hmm. you think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. what is, why, what is, what is the reason for that other than uh, money making? And, and yeah, Terry's right. There are communities, economically poor communities who are lobbying for prisons to be built in their community uh, because of jobs. And exactly. something wrong when, when communities are lobbying for prisons for jobs instead of other things for, for jobs. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. the whole, yeah. the whole mm-hmm. thing needs a complete uh, the overhaul, paradigm change of, of, yes. of thoughts and, and laws. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, Reginald, right here um, in Arizona, there is um, 
a prison that's uh, uh, referred to as LBJ, and it stands for Lower Buckeye Jail. Uh, this houses they have a section for women, and then there's a section for men. Now, on the same vein, the reason I'm bringing this up because it's it's, it's um is 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 you know piggybacking on what uh, the both of you are saying. And instead of lobbying to have you know uh, better high schools, better teachers, and um, that would also bring about jobs. They have this jail there, and so there's land there, Reginald, and so they're building massive houses around the, you know, this jail. And I'm and I'm told that they're going to be doing, you know, some upgrading and some refurbishing of this jail, but they're not going to be doing any updating and refurbishing of the high schools in the area. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Um, now I want to um uh, uh talk about um. Um, uh, this, this next thing, I'm going to, um, put the question out there and then, um, then I'm going to take a break and then we're going to come back and discuss it. Now, I love to look at documentaries just like I'm sure that, that the both of you do and a lot of my listeners as well. Well, on December 19th of this year, 2016, there was a very interesting report on PBS News Hour hosted by Judy Woodworth titled Lynching Memorial Ames to help U.S. acknowledge a history of terror, a shameful legacy. Now, it says that lynchings, unlawful executions used to terrorize and subdue black communities into passivity, which is something that Terry said earlier in this broadcast, are perhaps one of the least discussed legacies of slavery and the Jim Crow South, which is something my brother mentioned about the Jim Crow South. South, a new memorial in Montgomery, Alabama, will commemorate victims of these acts of terror. A gentleman by the name of Hari, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, Srinivanson, he spoke with Brian Stevenson, and he is the founder of Equal uh, Justice Initiative. Uh, Terry may be familiar with him, and he also created the concept and is overseeing its completion, and he is bringing this conversation to the fore. I asked... um, that you and my guests and my listeners go to listen uh, to this report. It is very interesting. It's on PBS.org. Now, Terry and Reginald, the reason that I am bringing the topic of lynching up is because from this report, in my view, lynching has not stopped in America. What I'm saying is that there are not, you know, you may not hear many stories about, you know, uh, black Americans being hung from trees today. However, lynching has taken on another form, such as discrimination, such as segregation, such as making it hard to acquire college education, such as the issues with the uh, police violence. Police been shooting uh, young black men and, and, and being exonerated for it. And we have the highest percentage of black Americans in jail, the land of the free. According to the fact sheet from NAACP criminal justice fact sheet, it states the following. From 1980 to 2008, the number of people being incarcerated in America quadrupled from roughly 500,000 to 2.3 million. Now, we are 5% of the world population, but 25% of world prisoners. 3.2% of the population is under some form of correctional control. Now, nearly 1 million 
of the 2.3 million Americans in jail are black Americans. One in 100 African American women are now in prison. Drug sentencing disparities, which is something that Terry talked about, five times as many whites are using drugs in African, you know, using drugs as African, as African Americans. In other words, they're using more drugs than African Americans. However, African Americans are sent to prison for drug offenses at 10 times the rates of white, which is what Terry talked about earlier. And at last, $200 billion is spent annually on public safety. Here comes the but. $70 billion is spent on corrections, prisons, and jails yearly. Now, you know, that eats big time into the public safety budget. Now, when we come back from break, I want to I want to start with you, Terry. Do you think that lynching has taken on another form here in America? And do you think by talking about the real factual evidence of lynching as it is being commemorated starting in Montgomery, Alabama, and hopefully other states acknowledging where lynchings took place, that this can start a healing process among the populace here in America. Okay, so now get up and stretch, get your coffee and tea and come back with me. Hi, listeners. This is Teresa E. Keeves. And I would like to know if you are having issues or disagreements with your neighbor and you have reported it to the HOA and the issue still has yet to be resolved and now you're feeling as though your concerns have fallen on deaf ears and you are not sure what to do. Don't think of litigation. How about professional mediation? Mediation is becoming very popular for resolving issues in a timely and cost-effective manner. You see, unlike the litigation process, the mediation process, parties are given a platform to be heard and open communication between the parties is established. Professional mediation also combines neutral advocacy, implementing evaluative and facilitative techniques, empowerment is developed, as the parties are very much involved in solidifying an agreement with the guidance of the professional mediator. Would you like to know more? Give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. Back to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning back with me and my guest, um, Terry Griffiths, uh, the attorney and activist, and uh, Rachel C. Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist. And um, our topic today is slavery in black America. Is it really abolished? Is there a connection with thousands of black Americans being incarcerated today? If so, what is it and why is it? And uh, before we uh, took a break, I posed a question to Terry and um, I'm, I know she's ready to answer it now for, for us to hear. Uh, go ahead, Terry. Well, first of all, I think what the gentleman is doing with Equal Justice Initiative and by having an exhibit where I'm assuming they're going to be photographs and uh, first accounts stories, whether it's memorialized in letters or newspapers or what have you, 
for the public to see is a reminder that um, things were not always, you know, that it was a very, very violent and racial, uh, unbelievable time in America. And I think we should always look back and remember what happened in the past so it doesn't happen in the future. And that's number one. And number two, um, it it reminds people who are living in this day and age what people in the 1960s and the 50s and the 40s, African Americans, what it took, the price, the cost of freedom to vote, um, freedom to relocate, freedom to move, freedom to travel, freedom to drink out of the same water fountain at the same lunch counter as a white person, what that cost. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that children born after 1983, and that's what they determine as a millennial, that they comprehend what it costs to have some of the freedoms they have today, freedoms of choice. Mm-hmm. Second of all, um, I think that it will remind people to join together, and I feel very strongly about this too, Teresa. Um, if we join together because there's a socioeconomic chasm in America now. There's the 2% and there's this huge population, black, white, Latino, all in the poverty range. And mm-hmm. People join together as a lower socioeconomic consumer group and political activist group because they mm-hmm. all have a vote. They would be very mm-hmm. powerful. And I think... Yep. If Latinos, blacks, and whites across that lower socioeconomic status uh, join together, they could change the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I honestly believe some of the media, the fake news and the social spin, I mean, the 2%, they want to keep everybody fractured. They do not want cohesion in the lower socioeconomic group. No matter mm-hmm. what the race is, they want those fractions, and they want people to be separate so they never gather enough force to change things. Um, so somehow I think as as a people in the United States, we have to bridge that gap somehow. It has to be done. Otherwise, everybody that's not in the 2% is going to end up being some sort of a slave. Oh, ab- absolutely. I totally agree. And there, there's a couple of things that I want to, um, uh, 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 comment on. And then, Rachel, and I want you to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, comment on, on this as well. Um, I agree that, uh, President Obama, it hasn't been televised or, or, or talked about, um, on the mainstream media, but he is doing a lot of pardoning. However, I do agree, uh, Terry, that I would like to see him, you know, pardon all of these people that are in jail like the individual that you were talking about that's in jail for 55 years for an ounce of marijuana i would like to see him do it you know if he can by the thousands as many as he possibly can by the thousands before... by the hundreds i'm sorry by the hundreds and thousands there's hundreds yeah. of these people they should all be they should all walk out the doors yeah that's what i'm saying i i would like to see that done um, but you know, he, as I said, he is doing some, but you know, they're not talking about it, but I would like to see him get that done. The other thing now, this, you know, may seem, seem a little foo-foo or whatever, but I was remarking, um, to my husband about an advertisement, uh, for the Scottsdale shopping mall. 
Now, this is on the same vein of what you're saying. Basically, you're saying that society does want to keep the have and the have nots. They, matter of fact, that's what they want. They don't want the have, the middle, and the have not. They want just to be, you know, they want to keep it that 2% or whatever. Okay. The shopping mall is boasting of expanding again, but they definitely boast of this is for the elite, the upper class. This is what the, 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 the words of the advertisement is saying, you know, oh, look at her. And this is a drawn person. Oh, she's walking off of the runway. She, she's, she's shopping at some, you know, store that probably, you know, their sunglasses are $5,000 or something like that. See, so that right there in itself, to me, because I pay attention to everything, is very indicative of what we are talking about right now with the separation um, effect going on. Reginald, let me hear your your comment on um, on on this discussion. Well, I I think uh, well, just let me quickly say the first thing that I would like to see President Obama do is put Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court right away. Mm-hmm. Do that because that's going to affect a lot of things that's going to come down the pike. Put him on the Supreme Court right now, and within two years, the Republicans will have to fight to try and get him off. So do that. Uh, the second thing is, yes, we need to, I, I think it's a good idea in Montgomery, Alabama, of having that uh, memorial, uh, because mm-hmm. you can't go forward unless you recognize something. Just exactly. The president um, visited Hiroshima, and the Japanese prime minister visited um, uh, Pearl Harbor this week uh, as a recognition mm-hmm. of what happened. And then mm-hmm. we go on to heal. So until you can recognize first what happened, like in therapy, you can't go forward until you recognize what's happening right now. Exactly. Um, and, yes, it's, the whole thing is to keep people against each other. And this is exactly. what Trump has done. It's like, see, it's mm-hmm. their fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. In the meantime, him and the rest of these knuckleheads are, you know, billionaires who are just completely making money. And mm-hmm. a lot of people who unfortunately voted against their own interests, they're going to have a really rude awakening. One of the things in the in the Affordable Care Act for uh, for coal miners uh, is covered under the Affordable Coal Act for lo- for black lung disease. If mm-hmm. that's appealed or if that anything is done with that, they're going to lose that. So all of mm-hmm. those, just 200 or something coal miners who voted for Trump because he said he's going to bring coal back, um, you're going to lose your black lung disease um, uh, insurance. Policy. Also, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of people in Kentucky who were unaware that they were actually under the Affordable Care Act, it's called kentucky care or something like that they ask them hey do you like your insurance yes kentucky care yeah do you know that's the affordable care act oh really you know so so people have to be educated thank you to be educated to Mm -hmm. know what is going on and yeah the thing is to keep everyone down there fighting against each other Mm -hmm. and thinking hey it's your fault and their fault in the meantime you know they're they're slashing they want to destroy Social Security, they want to destroy Medicaid, Medicare, you know, want to destroy the um, Department of Education. Like, why do we need a Department of Education? Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's, it's that 
it's all that it's, it's all on that same vein of you know that we don't need a department of education um you know let's let's just you know let's just have it like you know we had you know um you know uh, uh you know long time ago you know where only the, a few people could go to college and all the rest of you live in the monkey muck that's you know that's basically you know what it is now i got about 5 minutes time goes by fast doesn't it we're going to have to continue this conversation you know so um it, uh, i i just want to say you know with this gentleman you know who is doing is he starting out in Montgomery um Alabama and um so far he has uh Terry Reggio he has uh 4000 acknowledgments of of lynching okay all over this United States and it's a, and and go to pbs.org and, and and check it out if you haven't and what it is is these big uh black uh, uh blocks of stone and they're dangling from uh they're they're being they're suspended from a a long silver a long silver attachment and it is so breathtaking and what he's doing um the gentleman who's orchestrating this is that he's he's getting these states where these hangings were to acknowledge this and you know these things will then be funneled to their states so that they could be on display and that's what i was saying earlier and you said it Reginald and terry said it education is the key we have to be educated you know and the truth is, you know, this gentleman documented over 8,000 8, lynchings within a 75-year period. How astonishing is that? You know, and, um, you know, we can't go forward until, you know, we know where we came from. And I also feel, Reginald uh, and, 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 you know, and Terry that, we need to have, you know, sit down and talk, talk to as many people, you know, as we possibly can about the real historical facts. You know what I'm saying? You're, you know, the, the both of you, including myself, we're very much into that groove of history, you know, wanting to help people, helping people. I admire you being in the field of mental therapists. I admire Terry um, with, you know, restorative justice. I think that's awesome. And, you know, and I admire the work that that I do um, as well. And this and, you know, but, you know, I think that we need to to do history uh, uh, correct and not show, you know, um, for example, you know, pictures of, of of Washington, you know, crossing the Delaware. A lot of that 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 foo-foo stuff. We need to talk about how it really was, how the West really was one. <laughs> OK, and, um, you know, and 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 uh, take it from there. Um, you know, what do you, you know, just tell them the truth, you know, about about things so that we can heal, you know, so that we can heal. So um, very quickly, Terry, what do you think about that? You know, about, you know, the, the healing process. I agree. Um, but I also agree that it's really important for these these millennials, no matter what color they are, to realize the cost. People do not understand the cost of freedom. And no. I think the lynching exhibit will, you know, I think it will be good for the African-American younger community, but also um, for the whites and the Latinos. Um, mm-hmm. because the cost was, the cost was people gave their lives. And then, and I will say this, for a younger person to, to grow up and not understand the cost of the way they live today, the choice, the freedom of choice they have, 
um, you know, to, to cavalierly throw that away. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a travesty. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, very, very quickly, Reginald, um, your, your take, very quickly. Okay, uh, I would like for the family of John Lynch to come out and apologize. To have something to do with that, with that, um, uh, with that memorial. The family of John Lynch, whose name is, is with that, and we can discuss that at another time of why it's called lynching. John Lynch, mm-hmm. I would like to see his family come out and apologize and to try and acknowledge and or distance themselves from this, this, this tragedy, uh, tragedies that, um, that happened. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it, that's a scourge on, on their family name. Exactly. And it's also a scourge that that is also keeping people from moving forward. And this is why you had so many people, um, you know, joining, you know, the argument. I mean, and things that, you know, how this presidential election, um, how it was, you know, with the Donald Trump and, you know, people that's fighting, you know, that's, you know, they even said things like let's let's, you know, let's hang um, um, Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was it was terrible. OK. Thank you both for for um, joining me. I really appreciate your time and your and your effort and your comments are always, always respected. Um, I, I thank you. I, I hope that uh, all of my listeners got something out of this. Please go to PBS dot org and look up the um, uh, display and the, the whole conversation um, about the uh, uh, memorial that uh, is in Montgomery, Alabama right now. And uh, I wish you all a very happy, happy new year. Be safe, 2017, and I'll be back in two weeks. This is Teresa E. Keyes. Take care.